Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. If I know there's a gift for me in the house, like sometimes, don't tell my mother-in-law, but sometimes she'll give us gifts early on Christmas Eve and we'll have them there to put under the tree on Christmas morning. And uh, every year she does that. I talk my wife into after the kids go to bed, letting me open a few of those <laughs> gifts. I can't, I don't like to wait. But some people are sticklers, and I understand that. You've got to wait till Christmas. But the guy that had to wait 49 years, he's just got issues. That's, I don't know why he did that. There was one time, though, one rare occasion several years ago, that I had a gift, a Christmas gift that I didn't open for 11 months. But it was by accident, it was by mistake. Um, my my mother-in-law gave me this little wrapped thing about the size of a credit card, and through the hustle and bustle of the Christmas morning, I, I must have misplaced it, and I actually forgot all about it. And it was, it was I think the next spring, I was thinking about uh, how that fall coming up in archery season, I'm an archery hunter, I was thinking, I'd like to get an, another tree stand that I can hang on the tree. And so I, uh, I, I worked a little bit extra that summer, sold a little bit of extra firewood. So I'm out there splitting wood, selling it, getting this money for a tree stand. Archery came, I, I got my stand, I used it. And as the weather started to turn colder, I, you know, you, you break out the jackets that time of year in, in early November. And I broke out my jacket, and in the inside pocket, I reach in, and I find this little gift about the size of a credit card. And here, it was a gift card for Gander Mountain, which is a sporting goods store. And it was like the, almost the exact amount that I worked for to get that tree stand. I could have just gone up to the store, gave them the card, and got my stand. And so I had the credit in my pocket. I had the money the whole time. And the reason I'm telling you this is because... We often will do the same exact thing with the gift of God's grace that he's given us to live moment by moment, day by day, operating in his power in this Christian life. So many times we, we just leave it sit unused. We leave it sit wasted. I know I can often tend to do that. And so we don't want to, we don't want to let God's grace sit in our inside pocket striving in our own effort to accomplish, to, to live this Christian life. He's given us his power, his grace to live it to the fullest. And we've got it. We just got to cash it in by faith. And that's what we're going to see today. We're going to see how we can redeem that grace day by day, moment by moment, to do the things that we can't do in our own power. But by God's power, he will give us the enabling grace, the ability to do that. So let's pray and ask God to help us to understand this great truth from his word this morning. Father, thank you for your word. And it says in your word that it's by hearing your word that we grow in our faith. So I pray that this morning as we hear your word, we would grow in our faith so that we can receive this grace to live out this Christian life to its fullest, day by day, moment by moment, in your power. And we can just rest in your grace and what you've already done for us in your death and resurrection. 
And we ask for this power, that there would be a, 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 a difference, a real experiential difference in all of our lives because of the truth that you give us in your word. Let me represent that well this morning. I need your grace for that, and I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we often think of God's grace as just something that kind of kicks off our Christian life, that starts it out. But really, as we're going to see today, it's something that we, He wants us to draw on every day, just like we breathe every day, moment by moment. And I want to answer two big questions in this message this morning on the gift of God's grace. Number one, I want to answer the simple question, what is it? What is grace? And number two, how can we experience it on a daily basis instead of just letting it sit in our pockets unused? So number one, the gift of God's grace. What is it? Let's go straight to the Word of God. Let's look in Ephesians. Uh, actually, let's start out with Romans 5.15. I want to look at several verses here. And these verses are going to show us that God's grace is a free gift. It's not something that we have to work for. It's not something we have to earn. It's not something that we have to qualify for. And as a matter of fact, you can't qualify for it. Nobody here does. Nobody except Jesus qualifies for this. And that's why it's free. It's not buy one, get one free. There's no hidden fees. It's not buy now, pay later. It's just free. And so these verses are going to show us that. Romans 5.15 But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. I want to point something out here. That word that word gift, in all, it's in all these verses we're going to look at. It's the Greek word charisma, which the root of is charis, charis, charis. It's, it's the word grace. And so what this word charisma means, it's literally a grace gift. It literally means free grace. And we're going to see that grace is God's power or favor that we receive without any merit. We don't deserve it. So the free gift is the free grace that God's giving us. A very familiar verse that I want to look at next. I think you'll see this clearly. Ephesians 2.8. We often think of this verse whenever we think about how we've been saved. And that's what it means. It's, it's a great verse for that. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Ephesians 4, 7. But grace was given. See, it's, it's always given. It's nothing we take, nothing we can do anything to get. Grace was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. 1 Peter 4.10 As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And Ephesians 3.7 Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given me by the working of His power. So grace, by its very nature, is a gift. It's free. And that's, that's what the word means. Again, it's a, it's a free gift of God's power 
or God's favor that we can never deserve. None of us deserve it. And the only real qualify, qualification for it is just being undeserving and knowing that you're unworthy to receive it. A word that describes people who know that they're undeserving and unworthy to receive this, a word that the Bible uses to describe those people is humble. Humble. The opposite would be proud. And the Bible says very clearly in the book of James that God gives grace to the humble, yet he opposes the proud. Now, traditionally, we've, we've defined grace as God's unmerited favor. And that's a great definition. God's unmerited favor. And it's true, but it's incomplete. It tells us that God's favor is freely given. It's unmerited. It, you can't do anything to deserve it. But it doesn't really tell us what it is. And that's one of the things I want to try to get across here in this first part of the message is what it is. Well, if you, if you read all of the verses on grace, if you just go, go in uh, to a Bible search engine and type grace and read all of those New Testament verses, you'll see that God's grace is, is God's ability working in us who are unable. God's power, God's ability. I like to substitute the, the word ability sometimes for grace. And many Bible scholars have done this. Actually, one of my favorite, Kenneth Wiest, likes to define grace as God's ability. God's undeserved ability he gives to us to live out this life that we can't. So that's what God's grace is. And something that might help clear this up, I know it helps me a lot, is just thinking about the difference between mercy and grace. Because a lot of times we can get those two things confused. A lot of times we can use those words alternatively, but really they're, they're two different things. See, God's mercy, God's mercy is his, his ability to forgive us. In other words, we've often said God's mercy is him not giving us what we deserve. So we all have sinned against God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the free gift, the free charis, the free grace of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So his mercy is not giving us what we deserve, his ability to forgive sin. But his grace is more on the positive end. And his grace is giving us something that we don't deserve, even though we don't deserve it, in spite of our undeservedness. And his grace is giving us his power, his ability to live his life, to open our eyes to see the truth when we don't deserve it. So understanding the difference between mercy and grace really helps. And, and really it's his mercy that makes us eligible for his grace. Because none of us would deserve his grace without his mercy. But his mercy being forgiven of all of our sin through Christ's death on the cross is the only thing that makes us eligible to receive his enabling grace, his power. So it's, it's kind of, I look at it like this. Mercy is kind of getting us out of the negative, up to zero. It's like forgiving all of our negatives, all of our sins. And then grace takes us beyond that and gives us power to live this life, power to believe this gospel, power to overcome trials, power to do things that are out of our comfort zone for the Lord, power to live 
the Christian life to its fullest, as Jesus intended. So just understanding that hopefully helps. Does that make sense? Okay. With that in mind, with that in mind, let's look again at Ephesians 2.8. I'm going to camp out on this verse for a little while because it really helps us understand God's gift of grace. Look closely at this verse with what we've learned about grace so far. For by grace, grace, God's ability. For by God's ability, that's not deserved, his enabling power in us, his ability, not our own. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, he says. It is the gift of God. It couldn't be clearer. Our salvation, our everybody in here who has believed in Jesus Christ, everybody in here who's saved, it, you didn't do that by your power. It's not of our doing. We can't boast about anything. It's all in what he did. It's by his grace, his favor, his power that he worked into us in regeneration. So that's, that's really exciting to know that that's how our Christian lives kicked off. But as we said, that's how our Christian lives are supposed to function day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. Here's the thing. If grace just worked automatically in every Christian's life from that moment that they got saved on, I'm just walking by grace every step of the day. Everything I think, everything I do, it's all by God's grace. If that worked like that, we would never sin. We would never backslide. We would never have problems. But as we were singing this morning, we are a bunch of failures who need God's grace, and we know that, and that's why we trust Him. That's why we depend on Him. That's why we believe in Him, because God gives grace to the humble. But He opposes the proud. If anybody here is thinking, I don't need God's grace because I can do this thing, well, then you're proud, and God opposes you, and you don't have His grace. You need to realize, you need to, we need to realize who we really are apart from Jesus Christ to receive his power. But that's the exact position that we need to be in to receive his power. So that's a good place to be in, but as we're going to see a little bit later in this message, that's not a good place to stay in once we know we've received his power. So I'll explain that later. But the next thing we need to see here is... Actually, I'll explain that now as I look at my notes. How do we experience God's grace moment by moment? How do we do this? So we know what God's grace is. How do we experience it on a moment by moment basis? Well, let's go back to Ephesians 2.8 again. We can learn so much from this verse. Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved. What? Through... Faith, through faith. A lot of times, a lot of times we, we can get mixed up a little bit. And, and I do this, I catch myself doing this. You know, if somebody asks, well, how, how are Christians saved? Then a lot of times we'll say, well, we're saved by faith. We're saved by faith. But really, technically, at least in this verse, that's not what it says. What are we saved by, according to this verse? Grace, we're saved by God's grace, and we just talked about that. We're saved by everything he did and nothing we do. The gospel is the work of Jesus Christ and the person of Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with us. 
It's all about him. And yet we believe in that gospel. Believe is faith. We have faith. We, we trust in that work that he did. So we're saved by his grace, but we're saved through our faith. We're saved through our faith. So we're saved through faith. I like to think of faith, when I read this verse, I think of that word through, I think of a pipeline. I know some of you guys work in the gas fields and I know, I don't know if Brendan's here, I was just talking to him last week about he, he lays pipes so this gas can go through it. The gas goes through it. We need, our, we need a pipeline for God's grace to be able to come to us. And that pipeline is our faith. Through is talking about the vehicle through which something happens. And our faith makes that connection. See, this is why, this is why just in initial salvation, we can go out and preach the gospel to the unsaved. You can go out on a mission field. You can go out here to campus. You can go to your neighbor's house. You can preach the gospel to the unsaved. And you can say, you can say, Jesus Christ died for you. That's true because 1 John 2, 2 tells us he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, made his grace available to every human being on this planet. Everyone. But not everyone saved, right? So how do they make that connection? How do they, how do they get his grace? Through faith. We're saved by grace through faith. And the reason I'm taking so long to explain this, even though it's just initial salvation, is because this is the exact same way that we are to receive his grace every day of our life. Nothing works. It works exactly the same. It doesn't work any differently. See, when, when we're saved initially, when we receive that saving grace, and that's the name of our church, Saving Grace Church, that, that, that grace lasts forever. It, it, John 3.16 tells us that whoever believes, whoever that has that faith in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. It, you're locked in. But God expects us to live by his grace in the same way, day by day, with his enabling grace. We read a verse uh, at the beginning that talked about the manifold grace of God. You know, manifold, you car guys, it's like... Uh, a thing that all these different pipes comes out of, right? Is that a manifold? Very, it's, it's got variations, different kinds. It's diff- God has grace for everything. Think of that gift card in my pocket. God has grace for every need in your life. If you're going through a trial and you think, I can, I can handle this on my own, and you forget to pray and ask him for help, you're doing it on your own, but if you cash in that gift card by faith that he's going to help you and you truly believe that, he will help you. God has grace for everything. And so faith, in the same way that we got saved, is the vehicle by which we access that. Look, Romans 5.1. This shows us what we're talking about. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by what? By faith into this grace in which we stand. See, we're up to our eyeballs, actually over our head, in God's grace 
by faith. We have access by faith into this grace. That's the means by which we get grace. Here's another verse. This is just so helpful to me in understanding this all. Colossians 2.6. I hope it I hope it helps you guys as well. Colossians 2.6. It's just so simple. It says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Well, how did we receive him? By grace through faith, right? So we're to walk in him daily in the same way, by grace through faith. He didn't intend living the Christian life to be complicated. It's, it's really man's religion that, we, that, that people put on us or that we put on ourselves that's stuff that's extra, that's not in here, that makes it complicated. God didn't intend it to be complicated. We live this life by grace, through faith, in the same way we got saved. And living without grace... Really, it's like trying to drive on flat tires. It's like, it's like trying to swim through land. It's like running a race with weights tied to your ankles. You, can't, you just can't do it. You've got to put all, all this effort forth that he didn't intend for us to put forth. Jesus talked a lot about this. And one of the things that he said, he said in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, he uses, the word, he uses words here that they, they just don't seem to make sense when you think about living the Christian life. But this is how he intended it to be. He said, come to me, all who, are, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Hold on, let me get something. Glad it was still back there. All right. You know what this is? I've used this before. This is a yoke that Tony got from me. Tony Versace got from me to hang in my office. And the, I don't know what it was for. Mules. It's too small for cows. Maybe calves. They would put their heads through. And they would double their power. Their pulling power. And so many times... We try to live our Christian life on our own, in our own strength, without praying for God's help and believing that he's going to give it to us and reading his promises and drawing from the strength of this means of grace that he's given us in his word. And it's like just, I'm in this thing and nobody else is there and I'm pulling it all myself. But man, if you get Jesus in there beside you, it's easy. Matter of fact, that's what he says. He says, for my yoke is easy. Easy. And my burden is light. And it's so hard for us sometimes to get this. Because naturally, we just want to do things ourselves. Or we don't want to pray. Or we don't believe that prayer is going to help us. Or we don't believe that reading his word is going to help us. And when you don't believe these things, guess what? You got a big old clog in the pipeline. Because believing is faith. And the, the pipeline is what gets his grace to us. That's faith. And when we don't believe it, we're just all by ourselves. And Jesus doesn't want us to be all by ourselves. And I know how it is. 
because it's a constant battle. You know, struggles of, of all kinds that, that we've all lived through. It's just a constant battle to do the easiest thing in the world, which is just depend on Jesus, reading his word, and praying. It's so funny that doing the easiest thing is, the hard, is sometimes the hardest thing. I don't know why that is, but if you think about it, that's why a lot of people don't get saved. Getting saved is, God intended it for it to be easy. He said, it's not by works, lest we should boast. It's, it's through faith, by his grace. It's really easy. But so many people, when I've talked to them, when, when, uh, when I've evangelized on campus, I've talked to people who just, they say, that's too easy. It, that can't be. It just, it sounds like, where's the, where's the catch? What kind of strings are attached? It's just too easy, but... God intended it to be this way. And sometimes we're like the guy that came to Jesus and said, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. And he honors that. He honors that prayer. He knows he can sympathize with our weaknesses. So be honest with him. If it's hard for you to believe, tell him. Ask him to change that. But keep getting yourself into those means of grace, those means of grace, his word, prayer. Don't ever stop doing that. David is a good example in the Bible of understanding that God's grace is so much bigger, so much more powerful than our sin. That story of David and Goliath where he defeated the giant, that that story is intended to show us the power of God's grace in our weakness. See, at the beginning, like we said, we know that we can't do this. And David couldn't stack up against that giant but see, the thing with David, the difference with David is that he was, he was faithful enough to compare this giant with God. And when we compare our sin, our struggles, our trials with the power of God, it doesn't compare. And we see things in perspective. And that's what we need to do to see His grace. But so many times, and I'm right here with those of you who struggle, I know we can focus and magnify our problems. Maybe our sin, maybe trials that we go through. The more we focus on those things, the more we magnify them, the more powerful they become in our minds, the less we're focusing on God's power. I heard a preacher talk about it one time like this. He was talking about a track meet. I think a high jumper. And he said, picture a high jump bar. And he said, if you're, if you're right up against that thing, and your job is to clear that, but you're right up against it, and you're looking at it because you're right here, it's right in front of you, you're thinking, how, this is so high, how am I ever going to do this? You've got no chance. But it's, it's the moment you turn away from that sin, that trial, whatever it is you're going through, and look to Jesus Christ and look to his power and look at how great he is and how much grace he offers us, and you draw into his word, and you pray, and you're not looking at that thing, then you've got, you've got the, the, the distance to make that leap because you're working on his power. And so it's, we can't magnify our sin, our trials, as greater than what he, the power and the grace that he gives us. That's what David did. David didn't think about how big the giant was. And I love that story. By the time I'd read it, because I love how he even trash-talked him at the end. But he trash-talked him in God's power, not in his own. 
So the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong in Joel 3.10. But not strong in our own power. Our confession should never be of our own strength, but of God's strength. So we've got to focus on God and his power. Now, the enemy wants to keep reminding us of our weakness, of what a failure we are, that we can't, we can't do this, you're not good enough, you're never going to be able to live this Christian life, you're always going to have this sin that you struggle with, you're never going to overcome it. He likes to, he likes to remind us of these things. You're, uh, you're, you're, just, you know, you're just a failure, you're just an addict, and you'll always be one, whatever it is. That's the way, that's the devil talking to us. But here's what you do. I want to I show you, I want to show us what to do with that. I want to show you what Paul did with that. And this is what we should do with that. When the devil says that kind of stuff, you're not good enough, you're a failure, here's what you do. You turn the tables on him and you say, you know, Satan, you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And then you quote what God told the apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. You say, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is, look at this, made perfect in what? Weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, my shortcomings, my failures, my inabilities. Hey, I'm in a good place. I'm in a great place because that is where the power of God rests, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, God gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to people who know they're humble. He gives grace to people who know they're weak. And so when Satan reminds you, you say, yeah, I don't care. Bring it on. That's who I am. But that's how I get God's power because I believe he's going to give it to me because he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And look what he says in the next verse, verse 10. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Weakness is actually the prerequisite for bringing God's grace on you. Somebody insults you, it says insult, somebody insults you, bring it on, you say. Hallelujah, you're just, you're putting me in a place to be covered with God's grace. I'm just, every time you insult me, keep it coming, because I'm getting more grace from God. That's what it says. Paul says that puts us in the place to receive strength, God's grace, his strength, his power. So God's got tons and tons of grace for, for humble people. It never, ever runs out. James says in the book of James, I don't think I have this one, I might, Brian, in our projections, do I have it? James says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, what does this mean he gives more grace? How, how does he give more, more than what? Well, more than your sin. More than the power of your sin. More than the power of your trials. More than whatever you're going through. He gives more. It says in Romans chapter 5 that where sin abounds, grace superabounds all the more. It, it, here's the thing. This is, people think this is controversial, but the Bible teaches it. You, you can't not sin your way 
out of God's grace. That defeats the whole meaning of the word grace. It doesn't mean go on sinning. And Paul actually says that. He knows that that question's coming. Does that mean you should sin? Romans 6.1, no. But right before that, the end of Romans 5, he says, however much you sin, there's always more grace. See, here's the thing. If, if we feel like, and, and I can feel like this sometimes, I'm a, I'm a failure. Look what I didn't do that God was calling me to do. Look what I did last week. Look at how I was harsh with my kids. Look at, he will, he will make us magnify that. And you feel like, you're disqualified from grace. And I don't care who you are, the best person in here, you're going, you, you sin too. We all do. And so we all can have this guilt and shame that gets in our conscience and feels like it disqualifies us from God's grace. You don't get disqualified from grace because you can't qualify for it. Because the only one person in this world whoever qualified for it is Jesus Christ and we get grace in Christ it says in Christ is where we receive our grace if God disqualifies us for grace he disqualifies his own son Jesus Christ he denies him we're in him that's where our grace comes and that's where the love of God comes for us so he doesn't love us because we're such good people he loves us because we're in Christ and he loves his son. And nothing can separate us from that love of God in Christ Jesus, Romans 8 tells us. Because it's in Christ Jesus. So God's got a ton of grace for us. The way I like to think about this, I thought about this a couple weeks ago when my battery died in my van. And I went to Advanced Auto and I got this battery and the guy was putting it in. And on the posit- there's a positive terminal and a negative terminal on that battery. And you know what? That's, they can't, it doesn't work if, if it's not connected to anything, right? They have to be connected and running through your vehicle. It doesn't work if it's disconnected. Well, guess what the positive is like? The positive is power. The positive is where the electricity comes. The positive is, is it represents God's grace, His power. But you hook the positive up and you, you don't hook the negative up, does it work? No. You need a negative to couple that with. Well, we got that covered, don't we? Guess who the negatives are? Us. The humble, anyways. The humble are the people that know they need God's power. And when that guy hooked that battery up and he hooked the positive and he hooked the negative, boom, juice, power flowing through it. And that's exactly what happens in your life the moment you believe in the grace of God, the power of God, because you've made that connection through faith. And I'm telling you, it happens every time. If there's anything that I want us to get out of this message, it's that I want to increase our faith. That's That's been my prayer all week. Because God's grace is there. It's there for everyone. But it comes through faith. And I want to increase our faith. You know how to increase your faith, right? What does God's word say about where faith comes from? Faith comes by hearing. Not just hearing anything though, right? Hearing by what? The word of God. If you're running low on faith, 
Guess what you need? You need more of God's words. You need to read this. Listen, I am extremely weak in fighting sin, in overcoming trials. I mean, ask my wife. When I get the flu, you would think I'm dying. I'm, I'm weak. And it's like if you're weak physically, like in some sickness or something, some area of your life. Like some of you, some of you are, are very weak because of physical ailments. And, and you've got to take a lot of medicine, right? You've got to take all these pills to make you healthy. God's word, for me, is if this is my pill box, I, I, this, it's, full, it's like packed. Like I need a lot of this. Because if I don't take in God's word regularly, and I'm telling you this, this is so true, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I've seen it happen a thousand times in my life. And I don't want to be a legalist about it with myself and say, well, I've got to read this many chapters this, every morning. I've got to do this and this and this. It's not like that. I do it because if I don't, I fail. I fail if I don't keep taking in God's word. And here's why. I fail because my faith diminishes. But as I read God, if you could see a graph of my life as I read God's word, and this is true for all of us, your faith graph starts to climb. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you need faith to get grace. So if you want more grace in your life, be in his word more. And not just in his word more. There's two means of grace that are primary. That's one of them. But the other one is, you know, yeah, prayer. Prayer. And this is where I want to I show you a, a verse that, oh, this is so good. Look at, um, I don't know where we're, yeah, Hebrews 4.16. This verse talks about praying. This verse explains what happens when we pray. Like if you could see the spiritual realm open up when we pray, in faith I might add, this is, this is what it's like. This is how it should look anyways. Hebrews 4.16, this is how God wants us to pray. Let us then with confidence or boldness draw near, that's the praying part, draw near, to the throne of grace. The throne of what? Grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I picture it like this. God's throne, God's on his throne, okay? He's up there on his throne. And I, I often think of it this way when I pray. There's, there's like this warehouse behind him. And there's a, there's a counter in front of him. And I'm going up to the counter when I pray, I feel like. And on this warehouse, he's got thousands of shelves, and it just goes on forever. And these shelves have these huge bags of grace in them. They're all filled with grace. Grace for this, grace for that, grace for everything you might need in your life, every day. And they all have a date on them. You might have 10, 20 bags for just today. They're, they're there. And they have your name on them. This is my shelf, this is your shelf, we all have a shelf, and he's just sitting there. Isaiah tells us in the, in the scriptures, in the book of Isaiah, that God is eager to give us his grace. 
He wants to give it to us. Why? Because Jesus Christ paid for it all when he died on the cross and rose from the dead and he bought it all for all of us and it's a gift. That's what this message is about. The gift. It should be the gifts of God's grace because there's thousands of them, millions of them there and they've got our names on them. And he says, he says, with confidence, draw near. Think about this. God doesn't want you crawling up with your head down, afraid to make eye contact, crawling up to his throne, mumbling about how unworthy you are, but could you just spare a crumb, Lord? He doesn't want, he tells us to come boldly. That's what this word means, with confidence. Now, listen, this doesn't mean you're being proud because we're not coming on our own merits. You can come boldly in the wrong way too. Oh, Lord, I've done so good. Lord, haven't I done all these things in your name? And he says in Matthew 7, depart from me, I never knew you. Because you're coming on your own merits. But we come boldly, not on our own merits, but on the merits of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And, and, and because we have faith in what he's done, we can come up there and say, Lord, I need grace. And I know you've got a lot of it. So I'm coming to claim it. I'm coming to claim it right now because I believe in Jesus and what he did. I need grace in this situation in my life right now that I'm going through and probably got several hundred different situations right now that you're thinking of. And he has bags of grace there for you. And he says, let us with confidence draw near of the throne of grace that we might receive mercy. Oh good, that's taken care of. So you can't say, I don't deserve it because I've sinned so much. Guess what? Boom. You got mercy, so your sins are forgiven. And not only receive mercy, but find grace, power, ability, God's unmerited favor to help in time of need. He wants us to come boldly. So we sh- that should change the way we pray. That's not proud. That's not arrogant. This is not in and of ourselves. We should boast in Christ Jesus the Lord. See, sometimes my kids would get confused. Daddy, I don't think we're supposed to boast. Well, we're not supposed to boast in ourselves. We're supposed to boast in Christ Jesus the Lord, 1 Corinthians 1.30 tells us. And when we come boldly, we're boasting in what he did. We're not coming on our own merits. We're coming because we believe in all of our heart that he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not with him graciously give us all things, Romans 8.32. And see, if you know this verse, you have faith because you know the word. Faith comes by hearing. We're coming because we believe that God has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, Ephesians 1.3. And we're coming because we believe, 2 Corinthians 1.20, that all of the promises of God find their yes and amen. Where? In Christ we've got we should have all the faith in the world that God will give us whatever we need for whatever situation we're in Jesus endorsed these checks now one more passage to just show us and remind us the 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 most important thing I feel about receiving grace that it's by faith it's a lot like what James says in James chapter 1 about receiving wisdom from God. You've got to have faith. So let's look at this. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. Same principle here. If any of you lacks wisdom, 
let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded, unstable. God doesn't want us to be double-minded and unstable. He wants us to believe Him. It just means to trust Him. And He's trustworthy. Think about all the things He's done for you. Especially saving you. He's trustworthy. The Bible talks a lot about it. We don't have time to look at all the verses. Look at Quickly, Hebrews 11.6, if we could project that one. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that, listen to this, and that He rewards those who seek Him, who come confidently to the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. That's seeking Him, praying. That's seeking Him. Reading his word, that's seeking him. I know a lot of people in this church who have a lot of trials going on. Way more than I've ever been through. A lot of hard times in their lives, in their children's lives. Just terrible things. And I know that some of these people are unbelievable. Like, in their faith... They have so much faith that they're always thinking God is bigger. It's like they got a thousand Goliaths around them. And they're thinking, oh, you know, yeah, okay, these are problems. But God is bigger. God is bigger. Here's what I know about those people. Those people pray a lot. And those people read the word a lot. I know that because I know them. I know some of you I'm talking about right now. That's why they have so much faith. We can lack faith, but I think it's probably because we're not taking advantage of the means of grace. That gift card, it's sitting in our pocket. God will give you grace to believe more. We just have to read more and grow in faith. Paul said, or the Lord said to Paul, you remember when Paul had a problem? And he said, he asked three times, Lord, take this away from me. The Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. This was not a negative answer. It wasn't a negative answer. It was a positive answer. God came through for Paul. He didn't change his circumstance, though. Remember, he didn't didn't change that problem that Paul had. But his grace was sufficient to get Paul through through the problem and not just to endure it but to just overcome within that circumstance and that problem and whatever problem you might be going through God's grace is sufficient and doesn't mean necessarily that God's going to change the circumstances many times what God wants to change is you and me he wants to change us within the circumstances And he'll give you the grace to do that if you just go to him boldly, believing in what Christ did, believing him. 
and trusting Him. It doesn't mean it's wrong for, God to pray, or wrong for you to pray that God would deliver your circumstances. He's, he's changed many circumstances in my life over the years. But there are some that He hasn't. But He gives grace. Victory comes because we change. Not because everything gets rosy in the world. So faith is essential. And I want to end by reading how... Charles Spurgeon described this, what we've been talking about, in his book. I, lo- I love his book, Faith's Checkbook. It's a devotional. And the preface, in the preface, he says this. I think we have this to project. He says, A promise from God may very instructively be compared to a check payable to order. Now think about how we've been talking about God promises to give us His grace to help in time of need. It's given to the believer with the view of bestowing upon him some good thing. It's not meant that he should read it over comfortably and then have done with it. No. He is to treat the promise as a reality, as a man treats a check. He is to take the promise and endorse it with his own name by personally receiving it as true, believing it. He is by faith to accept it as his own. He sets to his seal that God is true and true as to this particular word of promise. He goes further and believes that he has the blessing, that he has the blessing in having the sure promise of it, and therefore he puts his name to it to testify to the receipt of that blessing. This done, he must believingly present the promise to the Lord as a man presents a check at the counter of the bank. That's what you're doing when you're going boldly to the throne of grace, confidently. He must plead it by prayer, expecting, it, expecting to have it fulfilled. If he has come to heaven's bank at the right date, he will receive the promised amount at once. If the date should happen to be further on, he must patiently wait until its arrival. Sometimes God makes us wait. But meanwhile, he may count the promise as money, for the bank is sure to pay when the due time arrives. Some fail to place the endorsement of faith upon the check. The endorsement of faith upon the check. And so they get nothing. And others are slacking in presenting it. And so these also receive nothing. This is not the fault of the promise, but of those who do not act with it in a common sense, business-like manner. Don't waste God's Grace, his checks. He's got checks for you in that area of sin that whatever it is, we all have them. And we're lying, anyone who says they don't is lying. That area of sin that you've struggled with for years. He's got checks. He's got grace. He's got grace checks in things like bearing with, not not just bearing with difficult people in your life, but loving difficult people in your life. And we probably all have them too. He's got grace checks for the the physical ailment, the problem that you'd suffered with for so many years, or maybe it's a new thing, and you're really discouraged that you can't do the things that you like to do. He's got grace for that. He's got grace for 
whatever situation you've got yourself into. It could be a mountain of debt. It could be a mountain of clutter. It could be just a real bad situation that, that you got yourself into. And don't believe the lie that, well, you got yourself into this. Get yourself out because God, God's grace, again, is unmerited. He's got grace for that. He's got grace for you to parent, you who are parents. To, to parent like a, a human Proverbs, the book of Proverbs in humanity. It's, it, you could be like, you can parent like a pro with his grace. He's got grace for all of us who are overwhelmed with pressures. He's got grace for everything. And if you feel like a failure, that's good. But don't stay there. He doesn't want us to stay there. He wants us to receive his grace to overcome in these things. And we'll need it every day. But he's got a lot stored away for us. I want to read three verses to end. And uh, after I read these, I'd like the, the band to come up to do one final song. And my prayer is that I read these verses that God increases your faith because these are true. Think about your situations. Think about whatever you need faith for in your life right now. This is what God says. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. Abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. This is God's word. Hebrews 4.16, we looked at it. I'm going to read it again. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We have a time of need every day. Many of them. Go. Make a, there should be a well-worn path to that throne by prayer. In Isaiah 30.18, this is amazing. The Lord waits He waits to be gracious to you. And therefore he exalts himself to show mercy. He's sitting at his throne with millions of bags of free grace that he's waiting to give to us. Let's pray. Father, I pray that this message, which was really heavy with your word this morning, would serve to build our faith. Pray that every person here would leave with a bigger pipeline, believing for your grace. And I pray, Lord, that if anyone here never even had a pipeline to receive that initial grace of salvation, that saving grace, that you would, you would help them to place their faith in Jesus Christ today, this morning to not leave here without believing in Him. Lord, I just ask You to help us all have a different experience from this point on in our lives. And we know it's not anything that we can do to make that happen. That's why we're coming to You in prayer, confidently and boldly claiming what Jesus has already purchased for us. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Father. It's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.